Leviticus 21.16 Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your offspring throughout their generations who has a defect shall approach to offer the food of his God. For no one who has a defect shall approach a blind man, or a lame man, or he who has a disfigured face, or any deformed limb, or a man who has a broken foot, or a broken hand, or a hunchback, or a dwarf, or one who has a defect in his eye, or eczema, or scabs, or crushed private parts. I'm not going to say the word, because you would laugh too hard. I have enough trouble speaking as it is. Verse 21, No man among the descendants of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect, is to come near to offer the Lord's offerings by fire. Since he has a defect, he shall not come near to offer the food of his God. He may eat the food of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go into the veil or come near the altar because he has a defect, so that he will not profane my sanctuary. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel. Father, we need your help with this one as we pray every week. We need your help to understand your word. And I pray, Father, as you take us into the negative, you would prepare us for the positive and that you would ready our hearts to, as we've already prayed, receive. Father, I pray that you'd bless the study of your word this morning. Make it clear to us, understandable, but Father, don't water it down. May we hear the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about ministry this morning. Not professional ministry, but ministry as profession. And there is a difference. Professional ministry, that which someone is paid to do, it's the job of the pastor, it's what I do. Ministry as a profession of your faith. The way you live out your faith, the way your life is a call to ministry... Because, and you may not have known this, and Tom, we still have a, a buzz up here. I don't know if you want to just mute everything except, except me, that might help. The moment you profess Jesus Christ as Savior as Lord, for those of you who have done that who are Christians, you've given your life over to Jesus, something happened. You entered the ministry, or as some have called it, the priesthood of all believers. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now some of you say, Rick, we've heard that verse over and over and over in this study of Leviticus. You keep going back to 1 Peter 2, 9, and the royal priesthood. Okay, I've heard it. I get it. And I say, have you? Really? Do you believe that? Have you received that? That you are a priest of God? I don't know about you, but that's a tough one. Well, it's one thing to believe. I believe in the Lord. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. I believe. I'm just not sure He can do anything with me. <laughs> so I'm going to sit there and try and take it in. Try and buy the fact that God loves me. But beyond that, I'm not qualified 
Gang, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. We're not talking Old Testament, we're talking the last book of the New Testament. God is repeating it again. You have been made priests to God. The priesthood of all believers. And it changes, gang, everything. The reason why it's amazing to me, once again, as Les prayed, the Spirit is speaking, spoke to his heart, spoke to us during the communion time, because what he prayed, what he shared, is exactly where I believe the Lord wants us to go this morning. And we need preparation just to receive this, to accept the truth that is so huge, so life-altering, literally it changes everything. If we can buy this, it will change how we act. It will change what we think. It will change who we spend time with or how we spend time with people. It will even change where we live. What do you mean where we live? Watch this. Numbers chapter 3 verse 38 says, Those who were to camp before the tabernacle eastward, before the tent of meeting toward the sunrise, that is in front of the tabernacle, closest tents, The closest people to the tabernacle are Moses and Aaron and his sons. In other words, the Levites, the priests. Those in ministry, closest to the Lord, closest to his tabernacle. And there they will be performing the duties of the sanctuary for the obligation of the sons of Israel. But the layman coming near was to be put to death. Now in the book of Numbers we discover something amazing. That the priests were the most near to the position of the Lord. And that's the way it is in ministry. That's the way it works. It's the wonder of the priesthood. Those who are in ministry are always closer to the Lord. Oh, not because they're more holy. Not because they've got it together or they've got it a little more cleaned up. But if you enter into ministry, when you accept this priesthood of all believers and truly begin to live it out and act it out, you will move next to the tabernacle. You will be close to the sanctuary. You can't help but be closer to the Lord when you're serving the Lord. Wait a minute. So you're saying that serving is actually better than being served. Exactly. You're right. The more you give out, the more you get back. That is a spiritual principle. It's a truth that our world has a hard time believing and accepting. The more I give, the fact that you can't outgive God. And I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about your life. Now, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, this is not news. You've heard this. You've heard Bible studies and teachings on the importance of serving, especially on ministry sign-up days. But Jesus puts it this way. He says, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is just a truth. The more you give, the more is going to come back to you. And maybe that's not, you don't want to think that is the reason I give. I'm giving because I want to get. But it happens, and it's true. The more we give, the more we overflow with gifts. The more we are blessed in the giving. But that's not really where we're going this morning. Because the reality is, as we read these verses a few moments ago, we learned that there are certain things which disqualified a person from the priesthood. Certain things that took a Levite, someone born in and among the Levites, it might be a defect at birth, it might be something that happens during their life, but certain things which the Lord says, hey, if this is you, you are disqualified. Defects, abnormalities, disabilities rendered a man unfit for priestly duty in the tabernacle. And I realized something as I studied this this week. 
But had I been born a Levite, I would have been rendered unfit for service. Personally. I would have been disqualified. What are you talking about, Rick? Look at verse 18. No one who has a defect shall approach. A blind man, a lame man, or he who has a disfigured face or any deformed limb. That word disfigured is split. It's talking about a cleft lip. I was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate. A severe cleft lip and cleft palate. For the first three months of my life, my mother used an eyedropper to feed me. Because I couldn't suck. There was no upper lip. There was no palate going very far back. It was a dramatic case. I had some amazing doctors. Which makes me the gorgeous man you see before you today. (laughs) But gang, I'm reading this and I'm going, you know what? Operations are not... Operations are not disqualified. I could not even stand up and share the word. I couldn't do the service of the Levites. I'd be out. Now many of us, many of us feel this way when we come to the Lord. We feel disqualified. Alright, I'll accept that He loves me. I don't know why, but I certainly can't accept a call to service or ministry of any kind because I have nothing to give. I've got nothing to offer. Hmm. Gang, let me give you a principle of biblical illustration, of biblical interpretation as we go forward. Something to understand here. We've talked about this before, but it's very important to note this. As you study the Bible, things that you see in the Old Testament that are physical often have a spiritual component in the New Testament. Things that we learn and see that God did with the priests or did with Israel in a physical, tangible way. Laws that he laid down physically tend to have spiritual counterparts in the New Testament. They tend to be pictures that help us see more clearly. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11. He says, these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. They were written for our instruction. So we go through the Old Testament, not just to know the history, but because they instruct, they teach. We can learn from these physical things, spiritual truths. And in the same way, the physical priesthood of Israel has spiritual meaning for the priesthood of believers today. So we study this priesthood. We look closely at it, at God's regulations, at His expectations, and we don't take them on as law, but we take them on as spiritual truth. Things that can help us to see God better. Or draw more closely to the center of the tabernacle, that holy of holies. And as we learn from the Old Testament, we can draw closer to the Father. And in the same way, this list of priestly disqualifications has dramatic spiritual impact for us today. It's going to get a little negative. I want to warn you for a moment. But hopefully it will get better before we get out of here. I want to look at, there are 12 different things mentioned that are defects. 12 defects for the priest. Comparing it to a minister, comparing it to a spiritual leader, comparing it to someone today who serves in the church. Look and listen to these disqualifications. First he says a blind man. If you're born a Levite and you're blind, you cannot serve in the priesthood. Gang, today the, the Christian leader, the priest, the priest who is a believer, must see where he's going. He must have vision. He must know where God is leading to. Any ministry demands a vision. Anything you do. Bonnie, I mentioned before, Bonnie Kelsey is working on the table for the Operation Christmas Child. She's doing the Salvation Army gift box. She has a goal. A goal to serve. A vision for a ministry. That's vision. And if you're going to be in service to the Lord, you need to have vision. Blindness doesn't count. Proverbs 29 verse 18 
And the King James Version tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Literally, they run wild. Without vision, we have no direction. We're all over the place. We're like little kids in the cereal aisle of the grocery store. You get back by the cart, stop that, knock that off, you know. No vision, no direction. A man or woman without vision gain is not going to be successful in ministry in the priesthood of believers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Great. How do we do that? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Vision is knowing where we're going. Do you know where you're going? I'm curious. Just by a show of hands, how many of you know where you're going? That's kind of a vague, generic question. So half of us are just going to keep the hand down. Like, I have no idea. Do you know where your car is parked this morning? Can we start there? Good. Okay. Okay. Good. Do you know where you're going? I was at a memorial service yesterday. It was mentioned for, for Barry Butler. Barry knew where he was going. He knew. It was evident in the things talked about. Everybody was talking about his life and his past. And it struck me halfway through. He's probably not listening to anything going on. Because he's so focused. He's with the Lord. All these really nice things being said. He's like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Shut up. I'm focused on Jesus here. He knew where he was going. It was evident to those around him. Do you know? If you were to die, if you were to walk out that door today, trip, fall flat on your face, have a concussion, and die from it, first of all, do the Gilmores have insurance? Secondly, <laughs> secondly, do you know? Do you know where you're going? Do you have vision? Gang, it's understanding the final outcome. It's living our lives with readiness for the coming of Jesus. And He is coming. The Bible is very clear about that. But a person without vision is disqualified. You've got to know where you're going in Jesus to serve in the priesthood of believers. Number two, lameness. The lame man, disqualified. How does that apply to us, the priest? The minister, the servant of the Lord, must have a straight walk. Must have a straight walk. A fascinating verse, one of my favorite. You've heard it before, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now, what's interesting about this verse to me is the progression that Isaiah uses. He says they will fly, and they will run, and they will walk. I want to put it the other way around, because you've got to start off with a, a good, fast walk, get it up to a run, and then leap and fly. Right? That's the way I would have thought of it. But Isaiah is describing exactly what happens in the life of a Christian in a pretty powerful way. We start off with the Lord, and we're flying, man. We're on the mountaintop. We're leaping into the sky. We're, we're ready to go. And in that moment, man, Jesus comes. I'm, I'm set. Let's do it. Let's fly. And then life starts to get, you know, we start to think through more of the Bible stuff. And, and, and as we study, we start to kind of set our pace. And we're running. And we're doing pretty well. But we're running with the Lord. And, go, and then life starts to hit. Boom. Tragedy strikes. Boom. There's difficulty. Sickness. Illness. Someone around you hurting. And the run. I, I can't run today, Lord. I'm, I'm just going to walk. And in many cases, we find ourselves walking much more often, often than we're running or certainly flying. We can get up to that mountaintop and leap off, leap off on retreats. You know, we can, when we have getaways and we have opportunities where we're really tight with the Lord, we can feel like flying again. But most of the time, truth is, we're walking, right? We're walking. Let me tell you some good news. It doesn't matter how high you can fly. It doesn't matter how emotional you can get or how fast you can run intellectually. What matters is how straight is your walk. How faithful are you? 
Oh, you may not be having a terrific day or week or month, but man, are you walking? Walk. Walk. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, the priest needs to have a straight walk. A straight walk. Disfigurement. Disfigurement, the next one. He who has a disfigured or a split face. The priest, gang, listen to this, the priest cannot have divided interests. A priest cannot have divided interests. Last week we talked about this, the mixing of belief in a horoscope or occultish things and belief with the Lord you cannot have the horoscope and the Holy Spirit gang God is very clear about that it's one or the other don't divide your interests don't split your time between other things and me give it to me focus on me Exodus 20 verse 3 you shall have no other gods before me Isaiah 45 verse 5 I am the Lord there is no other besides me there is no God 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 doesn't want followers who speak out of both sides of their mouths split divided interests it's a lack of integrity and to lead to be a Christian servant God says integrity is necessary but if you've got a split face disqualified David had a group of men they were called David's mighty men these men were willing to fight with him, to stand with him, to die for him. They were his guys. And it's interesting, I love this little verse. It's one that's so easily missed. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 33. Talking about a group of these men out of the tribe of Zebulun. says there were 50,000 who went out in the army. Who could draw up in battle formation with all kinds of weapons of war. And they helped David, listen, they helped David with an undivided heart. What does that mean? They had integrity. These men walked with David. He was their man. He was their king. He was their leader and no other. And this is what the Lord asks. It's not much to ask, is it? Just everything. (laughs) Your entire life, don't divide your interests between me and someone else. Gang, if you have a split face, you are picturing a divided heart. A lack of integrity and you are disqualified to serve What about the next one? Number four would be a deformed limb, a deformity. Literally, the word there is something superfluous. Someone who has an excess. Uh, To my best understanding, we're talking maybe of, it could be a tumor. It could be an extra finger, which would be a little weird. Those of you who watch The Princess Bride, the six-fingered man would be disqualified. An extra toe, something extra. You know, an arm coming out here, that would be very strange, of course. You wouldn't want someone like that serving in the sanctuary. It would freak everybody out and they'd get the job done twice as fast. A deformity. Something that shouldn't be there. Something excess. Listen. The priest of God cannot add on to God's word. You can't add an extra appendage or give more to it than what is there. God's word is God's word is God's word. Period. Matthew 23 verse 4. Jesus was speaking about the Pharisees and he said, They tie up heavy burdens and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move with so much as a finger. They add more. They, they bind up. It gets heavier. Gang, that is the problem with religion in the world today is it binds up. There are Christian churches that demand so much. They're binding. And they're wait- some of you have been there. Some of you have come out of those traditions and you sit down and when you start to just hear the Bible you're like, you mean there's not all those extra arms and legs and noses and toeses and all that stuff? It's just 
what it is. I was having a conversation last night talking about demands of an extra book versus the Bible. You can probably guess what it is. I'm not going to say it right now. Okay, I'll say it. The Book of Mormon and the Bible. Here's the deal. The question that was asked is, uh, but I made promises based on this, and I'm not keeping them now if I do this. So, am I violating my promises to God? Let me be real clear. This is all you need. This is it. This is the word of the Lord. There is no other. He doesn't want add-ons. He doesn't want excess. He doesn't want us, by the way, also to make it easier or more palatable by watering it down. Let it be what it is. Let God's word speak as God's word speaks. He doesn't need my excess. And to put a cap on it, God says in Revelation 22.18, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. That's serious business. This is it. The buck stops right here. Add-ons, gang, disqualify a person from ministry. Number five, the man who has a broken foot. Well, broken-footed. The priestly minister must stand firm. We're not talking about someone who's lame and can't walk. We're talking about, we're talking about someone who walks with a limp and, and can't stand firm and strong. We're talking about the wobbly person, the wishy-washy person. They would be immediately disqualified. Paul describes them this way. See if this might not be you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine You have a hard time just settling in and receiving the word of God Because you hear so many different things What do I believe? Should I believe that? Should I believe this? And, and I've talked to people like, like that And it's frustrating because you get down to the end of the conversation It's like yes they understand They got it You've laid out you know, 400 scriptures They're ready to go And then right before they walk out the door they go but what about this? And you go, oh man, tossed about, wobbly footed, broken footed, disqualified, broken handed. A priest with a broken hand portrays someone who can't reach out and, and meet needs. They can't serve. The hand is broken. A priest gang must be able to lend a hand. Isn't it interesting? In the story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, you can look it up and read it later. In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus talks about a man who's on his way down the road and, and he falls to robbers and thieves and they bust him up bad. And the first two people to walk by, interestingly, are a priest and a Levite. The two men who are supposed to serve. The two men who were ordained, consecrated for service. And they see the man on the side of the road and they're too busy. They have to go by. It takes a lowly Samaritan, a half-breed, to come by and actually render service. How many of us in our Christian lives are like the Levite and the priest? I'm a part of the priesthood of believers. But I can't stand around and help someone or pray with someone after church because I've got to be the Baptist to Applebee's. <laughs> The next one's interesting, a hunchback. So the little guy from Notre Dame would be completely out. Could not serve. I know he was cute and he had a great voice, didn't he? The Disney. For, anyway, hunchback. To make it in ministry gang, you've got to have some backbone. Okay? You've got to have a straight back. You've got to not be spineless. To serve in ministry, you've got to show some character. Unlike Pilate. 
you want to look at a picture of lack of character in the Bible, there's the man. Matthew chapter 27 tells us the story. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He knew it. He could find no fault with Jesus whatsoever. His wife had a dream and said, hey, have nothing to do with that righteous man. You let him go. You don't mess with this. And Pilate was so spineless that the Jewish rulers, the Jewish leaders, under his authority, talked him into crucifixion. Tradition tells us that Pilate's wife eventually became a Christian. While Pilate himself committed suicide, this spineless man who had no backbone, disqualified. Priests, the Levite gang, they're called to serve, they're called to stand strong, they're called to handle the tough things. Disqualified if you fall into the hunchback category, a dwarf. <laughs> so there are seven guys that are out right there. <laughs> A priestly leader cannot have stunted growth. Now, we, we joke and we kid, but this is so serious. The, the writer of Hebrews, I believe it was Paul, says in verse 12 of chapter 5, By this time you ought to be teachers. And he's frustrated. You ought to be teachers. As he writes this letter, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone else to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. But if your, if your growth is stunted, if it stops at some point, as, by the way, happens a lot of times with Christians, come to the Lord, we come flying, and we never run, we just go straight to the walk. And it's more of a limp. And we don't know the word. Whole churches where a Bible is not even cracked. It blows my mind. But it's true. I tell you again, the reason why your Bibles are open is so you can learn to navigate the scriptures for yourselves. So that this becomes second nature to you. So that you're not always having to call or email a pastor or an elder to say, Hey, where's this verse? No, you find it yourself because you're used to the word. Because you're growing in the word. But if your growth is stunted... Disqualified, you're out. Number nine, a defect in his eye. This is possibly a white spot. It could mean pink eye, but we're not talking about blindness here. We're talking about blurred vision. You can see, but the vision is blurred. A priestly minister must be able to see clearly, not with hazy or distorted eyesight. So interesting, the contrast between Jesus and his apostles. His apostles, who are good guys, a whole lot better than me in most cases. But his apostles following along with Jesus, and here's Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus, when all the children were coming up, remember Jesus is teaching and the children were everywhere and they're starting to make noise and the people are trying to bring their children to Jesus. The apostles, the apostles saw interruption. Jesus saw, there you go. <laughs> the apostles, the apostles would say, Taylor, you want to knock it off back there? You noisy little thing? We don't have time for this. It's interrupting. We have a sermon going on here. Jesus saw the kingdom. Jesus saw the kingdom when he saw the children. When 5,000 people, 5,000 men, actually probably like 15,000 people, you had women and children, this massive group of people were up on the hillside needing food. They're hungry. The apostles saw a catering nightmare. Jesus, uh, Jesus saw... A large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus had clear vision. When He walked in this world, He saw us for who we are. You know what we need more than anything else? When you've got a problem with someone, you need to see them the way Jesus does. The perfect prayer to pray when you're dealing with someone who is a problem for you is to pray, Lord, help me see them like Jesus. Give me clear eyesight. Most of the problems we have as Christians would be done away with if we saw people the way Jesus does. Clear eyesight. A priestly minister must have clear eyesight or he is disqualified. God, let me pray for a moment. Lord, help us to see humanity with Jesus' eyes. Help us to see each other with Jesus' eyes. Father, help us not to go another day looking through blurred vision of our sinful nature, but instead looking for the eyes of Christ that we might learn to love the way He does. In Jesus' name, Amen. Number 10, eczema, or eczema, however you want to pronounce it. We're talking about that scaly stuff on the body. The priest gang cannot be easily irritated. Cannot be easily irritated. People can be irritating. Can't they? I've often said if it weren't for people, ministry would be a breeze. It would be so easy. But if people irritate you, you might find yourself disqualified for service. Unable to serve. In Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56, James and John are walking along with Jesus, and they come to a Samaritan town, and they ask, hey, can we pass through your town? And the Samaritan's like, no way. No, I'm sorry, go around. And as they're going around, James and John said, Lord, let's call down fire from heaven. You know what was going on right then? James and John were chafing. Okay? Think about that. They were irritated. They were frustrated with the Samaritans. Let's call down fire from heaven. Let's wipe them out, Lord. Jesus said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. Let that sit on you for a second. You don't know what kind of spirit's driving that kind of statement. And Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. It is hard to love people. It's tough to love people sometimes, especially when they get under your skin. When they make you scratch your head. What is wrong with that guy? I don't get it. When they make you itch. I have a, a prayer that I've prayed for years. I call it a pastor's prayer. When I taught uh, youth ministry school at a college down in California, I taught the students to pray this prayer in dealing with ministry, and it's this. Lord, give us thick skin and soft hearts. Give us thick skin. So that we can deal, because people are going to be irritating. Those around you are going to drive you nuts. It's going to happen. Welcome to the church. We're a family. How many of you and your families, when you go, go home, are just pleased as pie to be with each other every moment of the day? We have the perfect family. We just hang out and smile and hug and sing Kumbaya every morning. And that's the church. The church is not a place where it's always going to feel good. You're going to walk in that door someday. Someone's going to say something. You're going to go... Irritating Lord give us thick skin and soft hearts Number 11 Scabs This one's easy The priest cannot be flaky (laughs) Matthew 21 verse 28 Jesus tells a great parable A man had two sons And he said to the first son Go work today in the vineyard And he answered I will not But afterward he regretted it And he went 
And then the man came to the second son and said the same thing. Go work in the field today. And he, and he answered, oh, I will, sir. I will. And he didn't go. And Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? The qualified priest does the will of God. The qualified priest doesn't flake on the Lord. Doesn't choose other activities or opportunities. Puts the Lord first. The qualified priest does this. Jesus did this. He said, John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. God's will, not my will, Jesus said, be done. Jesus never flaked on the Lord. The will of the Father, gang, is the work of the priest. No flakes need apply. Number 12, the last one, you're probably wondering, what are we going to do with this? (laughs) And I'll tell you what, to my mind, it is the most powerful of the 12 things on the list. A crushed personal area. Gang, listen to me and, and take this seriously, please. The priest of the Lord must be able to reproduce. God looks at this area on a man and says, That, Israelites, is where I want circumcision to happen. Why? Because it is the place where the seed is reproduced. And the seed is always important to the Lord. Reproduction, growth is important to the Lord. Of all these things, for the Christian, the most important on the list is reproducing. That which God has done in you to pass it on to someone else. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Reproduce. Reproduce. This is a dangerous inward effect, gang, of ignoring the outward call of Christ. If we ignore that outward call and we begin to focus in, something happens that we're going to talk about in depth tonight at the Revelation study. But I'll tell you this, if you don't evangelize, you fossilize. And that's the way it goes. If I am not evangelical in my faith, my faith becomes about me and I get hard. But Jesus says, reproduce. Reproduce. A priest who is crushed in this area is not able to reproduce and therefore disqualified. Disqualified. By the way, speaking of evangelism, I want to ask you all to be praying for Brian and Ruth Young, two of the missionaries that we support, who are right now in Pokhara, Nepal. Pokhara is the second largest city in Nepal. And Brian wrote an email just this last week saying, We have an open door. We have an open door. Something's opened up with the leadership, with the government in Nepal, and he was going to, to speak with and spend some time with and talk to them and see if there wasn't an inroad. In Nepal, one of the least, least uh, spoken places in the world was speaking Jesus' name. Least, not just church, don't even know about Jesus. Nepal. Pray for Brian and Ruth in Pukhara, Nepal. Now, now, that's quite a list. That's quite a list that God's given us. It's quite disturbing when you begin to try and make those parallels and look at it and go, Wow, Rick, you lost me on lame. <laughs> I, I'm not even there. Someone, you said dwarfed. I'm out of there. Uh, scabbed. Everybody irritates me. You know. After hearing all this, then you may feel disqualified or defective in terms of priestly service. And if you do, then I've done my job this morning. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. Are you saying, bottom line, that this list is supposed to disqualify me? Exactly. 
Exactly. When you read a list like this, you realize, in a spiritual sense, I am not qualified to be a priest. Therefore, I'm going to sit back and just be a believer. You can't. You can't do that. You cannot be a believer and not be a priest. You have to be a priest. Once you step in, you have joined up with the royal priesthood. Maybe you just raised your hand in church one day to see where the restroom was, but you're a believer now. You step into this. You are a royal priest. I want to give you two final things and we're done. Quickly, number one, the Lord provides for the disqualified. And this is fascinating to me. It says again in verse 21, No man among the descendants of Aaron, the priest who has a defect, is to come near or offer the Lord's offerings by fire. He has a defect. He shall not come near to offer the food of his God. He may, listen to this, he may eat the food of his God, both of the most holy and the holy, only he shall not go into the veil or come near to the altar because he has a defect. In other words, if you are born, Rick, with a cleft lip or cleft palate, you can't serve in my sanctuary, but I will provide for you. You are cared for. The food here that's being talked about, there were certain aspects of all the offerings, meat that would come off of the offerings, and grain offerings that were given to the priest. It was how they were cared for. It was their livelihood. Their salary, if you will. And that was given to all the priests, and God made sure that everyone understood, hey, just because you're disqualified from priestly ministry does not mean that I won't provide for you. I still care about you. I will still provide for you. And understand in your worst moments, when you feel like, I can't do a thing for God, I am lost here, God is saying, I'm still providing. I've still got you. I'm still giving you what you need. Now you might say, well that's nice I guess, but who wants to be a lame duck? Who wants to just sit around and take and take and take while the rest of the church is giving? I'm the guy sitting in the back because I can't do anything, so I'm just going to sit there and be provided for, but not give anything. Is there any hope for the disqualified? Not in Levi's jeans. But there is hope for the disqualified in Christ because not only does the Lord provide for the disqualified, the Lord qualifies the disqualified. Think about this. God's grace. And this is the thing we've got to receive this morning. If I'm praying for anything for you, it's that you get this. God's grace is so pervasive it not only saves me, it qualifies me for service in His kingdom. Can you buy that? When you become a Christian, you don't just have your eternal security. You have the ability now, by the grace of God, to serve as a priest. You have been qualified, even though, like me, you would be disqualified. The Lord says, but I've qualified you. How do we do that? How does that work? 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised things of the world. God God has chosen. And you might still say, but I am so defective. I'm far too defective. You want to talk about defective? Isaiah 52 verse 14 tells us, Jesus' appearance was marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of man. Marred is the Hebrew word mishkat, and it means disfigured. Jesus was disfigured, the Bible tells us, beyond recognition. And in that disfigurement, based on Levitical law, disqualified to serve. He took all of our disqualifications on the cross. He became disfigured. 
He, he became all of these things blind as the blood poured into his eyes, keeping him from being able to see, or when he was blindfolded by the Roman soldiers and beat about the face. His face, his face itself was split by the crown of thorns. His hands and his feet were broken, oh, not the bones, but the flesh, broken, pierced through by nails. His back was hunched over, exposed. His spine would have been seen after, by the way, the flogging he received. He was dwarfed as the people gathered around and belittled him and put him down and spurned him. His eyes would have been full of the blood that flowed into them. His skin bruised, beaten, and torn. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 in this context makes powerful sense. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Again, the entire point of the crucifixion was to enable the disqualified, the defective, and the disfigured to be able to enter into the presence of God, to go into the tabernacle, to approach the Holy of Holies, something the disqualified Levitical priest could never do, but because of Jesus on the cross, we can do. Being in that place of nearness to the Lord, in spite of our blemishes, In spite of our disabilities, our feeble excuses, our weaknesses, we are qualified by Christ for priestly ministry. And let me say one more thing about this. When you say I'm disqualified, you are limiting God's work in your life. You're saying, no, no, Lord, you really don't know me as well as I know me. No, no, Lord, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. I'm I'm not up to this. And the Lord is saying, are you up to letting me help you be up to this? Are you up to allowing me to work in your life in such a way that you become the priest that I've called you to be? It is our problem. It is our attitude, our heart that keeps God from pouring out His grace beyond our salvation into every aspect of our lives, even our priestly ministry. The grace of God. It not only saves me eternally, it removes any excuse from my service in His sanctuary and among His people. And it secures for me a definite role in His coming kingdom. Revelation 5.10 You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Don't limit Him by leaning on your disabilities. I'm going to embarrass Heather for a minute this morning. You didn't know I was going to do this. I didn't know I was going to do this. It just hit me, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> we're up here and we're rehearsing, and, and Heather says, "You know, I'm just I'm not hitting the notes. And I'm just it's not it's not connecting for me." And I only use Heather because I know her well enough to know she'll forgive me eventually. <laughs> she said, "I'm not getting it. I, I I'm not I'm not hitting the notes." She was hitting the notes fine. And we talked about it as we prayed. And it wasn't a matter of the vocal cords; it was the heart. It was that she wasn't there heart-wise. And that's where it is for all of us. It's not a matter of your ability to serve or not to serve. It's where your heart is. It's the fact that you just don't believe you can serve. You just don't believe that you have something to bring to the Lord. You just don't believe that, that these hands can be used of God. You've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. Otherwise, you stay in a, in a disqualified state, though you've been qualified. You stay home while the rest of the priests are going to the sanctuary. And God's saying, come on. You've been qualified. Don't limit Him by leaning on your disabilities. Lean on Him and He will disable your limitations. Let's pray together. In fact, as your heads are bowed, 
I have a sense that there are so many in here this morning who just feel completely unworthy to even come before the Lord. Many of you who have become Christians, you've given your life to the Father, you believe in Jesus, but you feel weak and broken and unworthy and unable to do anything for the Lord. I think Jesus would say this morning, stop. Stop denying my power. Stop denying the ability that I have placed in you. Stop refusing my gifts. And start accepting along with your salvation your ability to serve. who are feeble come to those who are weak come to those who have been irritated by friends or family or other Christians come to those whose faith has been stunted whose vision is blurry come to those who feel a lack of work come 